John Q. Hammonds was one of the first to enter the space race in 1987 when he attempted to build a hotel on Mars. Live to a hard drive from the 16th floor of the Hammonds Tower. You're, li- <laughs> you're listening to Spring Food Mo, America's number one podcast about restaurants in Springfield, Missouri. I'm Andy Carr. And I'm Dan Howell. <laughs> How you doing, Andy? I'm feeling so tired (laughs) i actually just uh filled my stomach with crosstown barbecue (laughs) oh yes yeah (laughs) speaking of which we we would just like to thank the city and the people of springfield for the enormous response to our crosstown barbecue episode last week (laughs) yes yeah we try to be humble up here in the tower Mm -hmm. but it's true we we made a pretty great podcast episode us up here in our literal ivory chairs (laughs) We'd especially like to thank Ken McClure, the mayor of Springfield, for throwing that parade for us last weekend. Yeah. Complete with giant balloons in the shape of our heads. With our mouths hanging open, (laughs) tongues waggling, pointed in the direction of some other balloons, balloons in the shape of brisket and ribs. (laughs) We'd also like to thank whoever hired that skywriter to write up there in the clouds. We love our uncles. (laughs) We didn't say our names, but... Everyone knew to whom that message was referring, and it turns out every single person in Springfield donated to the Skywriting Fund. Yeah. Hey, Springfield, cool. we we like you. All right, too. Uh, thanks. Uh, we also need to thank Ken McClure once more for giving us the key to the city. Yeah, and I'm honestly sorry that I did not know that you were the mayor of <laughs> our, our city. <laughs> I definitely didn't have to look up his name. <laughs> it's so great to finally be able to unlock the city. Yeah. Uh, what's weird, though, is that this whole time, the key to the city was the world's largest fork, <laughs> and they moved it to my yard. So I have a giant fork in my yard now. Of course, we're just guessing that this was the response to our Crosstown episode because we haven't actually recorded it yet. We're recording out of order, doing this one a couple weeks early because old Danny boy over there is going to be out of town. Yep. Pipes are calling. And also, toss salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> What? I'm not going to Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) And also so we could accommodate the schedule of a special guest. And yes, you may speak now. (laughs) Please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Holland Wilson. Holland. Hi. (laughs) Hi. How did you wind up on our show, Holland? Just wandered in here. I was just uh, riding my bike past the 16th floor of the Hammonds Tower. (laughs) Saw the little light. Out on the outside that says you guys are recording, and I just walked on into into the studio. Yeah, if you ever see that flashing red light at the you know middle of the Hammonds Tower, you know what's up. Just come on by. That happens a lot, actually. <laughs> we do get a lot of drop in uh-huh, guests like uh-huh. that. So, Holland, we're excited to have you here. Tell us what you do. I work at Van Gogh's Eatery on Commercial oh, Street. Yeah, we were just by there. I was earlier today. (laughs) Nearby there. I I was just by there. (laughs) Well, for the listening audience who hasn't been by there, it is a (laughs) Dutch restaurant started by the owner of Cafe Cusco and Shabom Tea and Mm -hmm. Spice. Hmm. We've been open for just over a year, and it's been a pretty fun ride. Yeah. I run the bar most days, either the morning or the evening. So lots of people have seen me in there, even if they don't know who I am. (laughs) I've been there several times since uh, the place opened and very tasty. Nothing else like it in Springfield. Um, I've never been there, but let me tell you that Vincent Van Gogh, he seems to be all right. <laughs> if, if the food's anything like his paintings. I, I relate to that guy. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's got I, a bad ear. That, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Holland, you chose our restaurant for today. Can you introduce it for us, I guess? <laughs> yeah, so right next to my workplace is another great restaurant on Commercial Street, That Lebanese Place. Ah, excellent. Let's learn a little bit about it right now. Lebanon, the country, not Lebanon, the little city in Missouri, one of the many little cities, the name of which we all just agree to mispronounce for some reason, is in the Middle East. Lebanon borders Israel on the south, Syria on the east and north, and to its west is the Mediterranean Sea. The area obviously has had a tumultuous history. A civil war began in 1975 and lasted about 25 years, during which time almost one million Lebanese people immigrated to other countries. 
Ely Ganim was born in Lebanon in 1969 and didn't immigrate to the U.S. until the early 1990s. He joined the United States Army and found himself in Missouri for basic training at Fort Leonard Wood. After serving for eight years, mostly overseas, Ely moved to Springfield, where he sold insurance for a while and then worked for the government. However, that whole time, Ely knew that what he really wanted to be doing was running his own restaurant. In early 2012, he and his wife Elizabeth set out to make that dream a reality. That Lebanese place started as a food truck in Springfield's first dedicated food truck park near the northeast corner of Glenstone and Chestnut. It was, and is, fairly small even for a food truck, a trailer fitted on the outside with cool lightish brown wood paneling, also with a kind of hazel green trim and white windows. Ely's then teenage son came up with the name That Lebanese Place while doodling in math class one day and it just fit. Ely said at the time that he wanted to make sure Springfield was ready for Lebanese food before establishing a permanent stationary location. After consistently long lines during lunch hours and overwhelmingly positive feedback from customers, the Ganim family decided Springfield was definitely ready for a full-scale brick-and-mortar Lebanese restaurant. The new That Lebanese Place opened in February of 2013 at 338 East Commercial Street. The Ghanams had been presented with the notion of opening on C Street by customers from the area who would come by the truck and pitch the idea. They eventually began to see the benefits. It was close to Drury, meaning college students with money to burn, and it was also undeniable that C Street was on the come up at the time with several other businesses recently opened or preparing to open. The Ghanams tried to open quietly to get their bearings before going fully public with the new location, but they were overwhelmed during their soft opening, and reporting suggests that business has been steady ever since. And it definitely seems like Ely and Elizabeth and their family have learned how to manage the crowds. This is a restaurant that makes it clear what they're serving isn't fast food, and it's worth waiting for. The Ghanams cook every meal to order, many of which are prepared using Ely's mother's original made-from-scratch recipes. They serve a wide variety of authentic Middle Eastern food. Beef and chicken shawarma, falafel, fresh-baked pita bread with hummus or baba ganoush, that kind of thing. That Lebanese place is one of the most vegan-friendly spots in Springfield, almost by accident. A lot of Lebanese food just happens to be vegan. Dan, neither of us are vegan. We're bad people. It's time to see what a couple bad people thought of a pretty good-seeming place. That Lebanese place. I come So I'm sorry, and I I don't normally listen to the bio segment beforehand <laughs> or during, but which Lebanese place were we doing? You know, that Lebanese place. That one? Yeah, that one. Wait, what one? Which one? That Lebanese place. <laughs> which Lebanese place? There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Good bit. <laughs> I mean, it's, what is all this time? <laughs> so, Holland, you chose this restaurant. Can you tell us a little bit of your own history with that Lebanese place? When I was a student at the hospitality program at Missouri State, I actually did a research paper on that Lebanese place. So, I went in and I got to interview Ely Ghanem. My group and I asked him questions about his life, how he had opened his restaurant, his philosophy about leading a hospitality business. That's hmm. very cool. Was there any information that you thought was particularly interesting that I left out? I was really interested in Mr. Ghanem's approach to customer service. He has a lot of very well-defined ideas. And actually, when I was interviewing him, he was busy working in the kitchen and took absolutely no time thinking about the answers to his questions. <laughs> he was always ready with something interesting and useful to say to me. When asked about his customer service experience... He said that people in America take advantage of you a lot more than they do in Lebanon. Uh -huh. Really? You don't get the same kind of food scammers who are like, send this back to the kitchen. I want to get comped <laughs> on my meal. 
He's also said that he's happy to cut his losses and give food away if that's the thing that'll make a customer's experience good. Yeah. One time he had a customer who tried multiple things on the menu and didn't actually like any of them. So he gave him a free chicken kebab just so that the man had something to eat and yeah. enjoy. Hmm. Nice. I he's, mean, and you got to like a chicken kebab. That, that would be crazy not to. Yeah. And I would, especially in Springfield, that's probably a good philosophy with people that are maybe not that into trying something as adventurous yeah. mm-hmm. as Lebanese food. Yeah, for sure. And I've been there numerous times throughout the years. He's always been really dedicated to making sure that everybody has a good time. When he's there, he always comes out to the yeah, tables and that's awesome. asks you how you're doing. Man, when super I was, cool guy. When I was there, he was out running the truck at an event or something. Mm-hmm. I eat at weird times, Holland. <laughs> you've, you've heard the show. That's right. You know, I'm eating at like 4 p.m. on a Wednesday or whenever. Elizabeth was working. And she was the same way, just came up, was happy to tell me stories about living in Beirut and that kind of thing. When I asked him about his backstory, he said that he'd been a soldier, he's worked in insurance, but he said that working in the restaurant business has been one of the toughest things he's ever (laughs) done. (laughs) Like He's had a lot of difficulty finding time for his family, Mm. and that's probably why they help him out with the business, because that's the only time he gets to see them. Yeah, that makes sense. I know his son was working there that uh, afternoon that I visited this week. Yeah, yeah, he does fairly yeah. frequently. I'll I see tell him all a story the time. about him. <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into our meals? Yeah, let's do sure it. When you're walking toward the building, which is on the corner of a big bank of storefronts, the entrance kind of looks like that of a small house with bricks on the far sides and then siding immediately surrounding a red door. Inside, the space is narrow, like many of the spots on Commercial Street. The aesthetic has a sort of soft warmth. The wall colors mostly grayish greens and browns. The floor tiling and the ceiling are an awful white. The booths and the bar are a darker brown. And the top of the bar and the bar stools have this kind of soft, thick lining. That mm. lining is kind of weird. It, it feels is. like you're at a bar that you should be getting drunk at. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> Just so you don't hit yourself on the <laughs> edge of the bar when you're too blotto to actually walk. It's a comfy bar. <laughs> Hmm, interesting that you guys <laughs> had that perspective. <laughs> so my favorite part of the restaurant is at the side of the door, uh-huh. there's this little nook that's got this bar right next to the I window, and you can sit there and oh. like, watch things go by on commercial oh, street. Oh, very cool. you can sit there. Hmm, yeah. Cool. I feel like the ceiling and the floor being white like that keeps the place from feeling very dark, because mm-hmm. they do have sort of dark colors elsewhere. I, I generally really liked the... Uh, feeling in that room there are dollar bills hanging from the ceiling yeah, I noticed that. Them, yeah is there a story i don't know the story behind the dollar bills. there has to be very I, high ceilings <laughs> like n- would have to have a pretty large ladder to get up uh-huh. there like very high should have asked didn't ask i'm a coward that's <laughs> <laughs> nothing new there i started off by ordering the single beer that they carry which is called almaza i'm sure i'm saying it wrong hmm. it's a beer that's actually imported from lebanon very light pilsner that has only four percent alcohol from what i gather almaza is basically the bud light of the middle east it's a beer that's very easy to drink and not particularly filling does this sound right holland you're you're a bartender you know anything that, about that this sounds beer? about right i've seen people drink it it's not my type of beer. Yeah, I tend here. to go for the darker beers. That's me too. I also like the dark beers. This one tasted quite a bit better than I expected. However, it had some actual flavor and only a hint of like a cheap beer skunkiness in the aftertaste. Uh, I wouldn't order it again at another bar or restaurant, but I definitely wouldn't hesitate to have another one if I went back to that Lebanese place. Uh, the owner's son was working and he came up to ask me how I liked the Almaza. He told me next time I should get it Lebanese style which apparently involves pouring a couple fingers of lemon juice into the glass before pouring the beer. Wow. I told him I'd try it next time, and I intend to. He told me I should just get another one now since it was, <laughs> since it was so little alcohol. <laughs> he told me that on his 21st birthday, his mom made him drink six of them, <laughs> and he was fine. His mom was my server. <laughs> I didn't order another one. Uh, in fact, I left about a third of my first one undrunk because it was 4.30 on a Tuesday, and I'm very much a full-grown adult with stuff to do at night, you know, like <laughs> drink re- more, rec- record a bio segment <laughs> for a podcast. I drink two seltzers. <laughs> Since my most recent visit to that Lebanese place for this episode was right before I was to get on my shift at work, I didn't want to eat anything particularly heavy or like overly sweet. Uh-huh. I had the Lebanese tea, which oh, is very strongly nice. brewed with cardamom. Ooh. And sounds, sounds really pleasant. Yeah. For people who like intense tea experiences, it's definitely not one to miss. Intensity. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> so bad. <laughs> I am so sorry about that sound that came out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Holland, for for what just happened. <laughs> So what it tastes like? In Lebanon, they believe that you don't boil the water before you put the tea in. You're supposed to put the tea in and let it boil with the tea in for quite some time. Wow. So on a slow day, if you come in after several hours of the tea steeping, it can be significantly more intense than uh-huh. if it's busy and they're constantly replacing the pot. I love that. That's awesome. That's great. The flavors are very strongly concentrated to the point where if you drink it when it's super hot, the bitterness combined with the heat... Are like overwhelming, so you have to let it cool down a little bit, at least for my uh, stupid American palate. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it with just a, l- a little bit of sugar. In general, I like that sort of tea with some cream if it's available, or plain is fine. I really liked it, and I got extra after my meal to perk myself up for the upcoming <laughs> nice. work shift. So, anybody get any appetizers? I did not. I got some baba ganoush today, or so I thought. (laughs) They gave me hummus. (laughs) Wasn't baba ganoush. They heard you humming. Oh, you thought, oh, he must have changed his mind. This is stupid. (laughs) This is not funny. I mean, the hummus was very good, and I I really like their pita. It's got a little more give to it than Mm -hmm. some of the pita I've Mm -hmm. had, but I really I like a nice chew like that, nice bready chew. But what is the baba ganoush like? I I, I'm kind of a fan of baba ganoush in general. I wanted to try it. I had it when I went up there with the school people. It tasted all right. I'm not the biggest fan of baba ganoush in general or eggplants. Hmm. It's a fruit that's very divisive. Yes. I like eggplant when it's soaked in oil and breaded and fried. Yeah. (laughs) Anything's good when it's soaked in oil and it's fried. (laughs) We have definitely found on that show. Cashew chicken. Yes. I am 20 pounds heavier than I was at the start of this year, and I'm pretty sure it's because of Chinese New Year. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Chinese New Year, the gift that sticks around. (laughs) Indeed. I'm also not the biggest fan of Baba Ganoush, and my one experience at that Lebanese place prior to this, that's what we got. I think Lindsay and I went four years ago, maybe. I wasn't that impressed, but I know it's because I'm not a big fan of Baba Ganoush. So. I liked the hummus just fine. It was yeah. a nice, smoky hummus. It was good. Just expected Baba Ganoush, you know? I wish that I had gotten some hummus. I did not. Let's get into our entrees. Please. I ordered something called Pepper Joe. They played at uh, Woodstock, didn't they? <laughs> yep. Woodstock 99. Yes. Burned it down. <laughs> the good one. <laughs> that, as you always say. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> I also got a side of fries with my Pepper Joe. I spent a long time looking at the menu. The menu describes the Pepper Joe Peter app as a sloppy Joe with a spicy Lebanese passport. I'm not the biggest fan of sloppy Joes, but for some reason I assumed this wouldn't taste like a sloppy Joe so much as just be a particularly messy Peter wrap. I was half right. (laughs) The wrap arrived in a wax paper sleeve with gooey grease soaking through one end. I saw that and I got excited. (laughs) I couldn't wait to eat it. It reminded me of these messy burritos I used to get, this little dumpy uh, Mexican place in Portland that that would just drip grease as you walked home. It didn't matter which (laughs) angle you held it at. The grease would just fall down out of the wrapper. Uh, Yes, very much so. Poncho's-esque. So, mm-hmm. La Sirenita in the Alberta neighborhood of Portland, if you're ever there. Don't go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should go. It's awesome. Anyway, I love Greece. I'm a real Greaseman. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I took my first bite and realized I'd, I had a messed up. Uh, the Pepper Joe tasted like a sloppy Joe. Uh, <laughs> it was my fault. I ordered wrong. I could tell that the individual components were good. They just added up to a thing that I have never found too appealing. Uh, the Peter app I really liked. thought that was uh, pretty tasty. It was very soft and thinner than I usually expect from pita bread. It was mm-hmm. more like a really thin tortilla. Um, mm-hmm. Not not in the taste, but in the consistency. It still tasted like pita bread. There were green peppers, tomatoes, ground beef, and some kind of thick white sauce. I don't know. Maybe that was baba ganoush. It didn't say on the menu. It was kind of mushy on the inside and the primary taste i got was tomato it really did taste like a sloppy joe not a bad taste by any means and it was an extremely successful attempt at being a mediterranean or middle eastern take on a decidedly u.s dish 
definitely no points docked for uh, the Pepper Joe. It uh, was operator error. Um, <laughs> more like sloppy Andy. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Holland, what'd you order this week? So I had the lamb kebab sandwich with fries. The wrap was nice and toasty colored, and I agree that I like the thin pita. The thick pita is actually really hard to actually get into a wrap shape. Oh, yeah. it makes sense. So a thinner pita allows you to use it like a tortilla, but you get the pita flavor. Awesome. And I enjoyed that. I would have been happier if my pita had been hot. I oh. greatly enjoy really toasty, warm, yes. external bread yeah. for my sandwiches. But the flavor was great. I loved everything about it. Fresh veggies on the inside, onions coated in sumac powder. Oh, Ooh, nice. Yeah, awesome. yeah. And that's actually one of the appetizers slash side items that they serve that I recommend to people all the time is a veggie pickle plate. I saw and they, that. Yeah. They thin slice onions and then dust them with sumac. Oh, I thought for sure Pickleman would get that. I, I definitely thought about it, but I was with the old lady, which as... Long-time listeners may know, she ain't been pickling. <laughs> Not into the pickle, so... Didn't, Maybe next didn't time. Yeah, but definitely. The sandwich had tomato, pretty standard. Cilantro, which could go either way for some people. I like it. Yeah. My sister thinks it tastes like soap. We're, we <laughs> yeah. are pro cilantro yeah, on this yeah, podcast. We are, we are not the soap heads. <laughs> it's good that I'm in a friendly room. <laughs> yeah, it's a safe space for cilantro. <laughs> the fries were a dark golden color and very nicely crispy on uh, the outside. Oh, we're going to talk fries. But not crunchy all the way through. Mm -hmm. They were nice and soft on the inside. When I eat fries, I eat them with a lot of ketchup. Uh -huh. Sure. I work at a restaurant that makes our own ketchup. I love it's the curry so ketchup good. with mangoes. It's, it's fantastic. So I to try that. And I love homemade ketchup, but I also really like Heinz. Yep. When I go to a restaurant and they give me a bottle of ketchup, I feel like super appreciated because they know that I will put as much ketchup on there as I want. Uh-huh. Uh, when I go to a restaurant that gives me ketchup packets, I feel like I am hurting the environment by creating additional trash. There's a reason you because feel I that have way. to use a whole bunch of ketchup packets in uh -huh. order to get the ketchup I require for any sort of fries or a sandwich that I might want to dip in the ketchup. And yes, I dip my sandwich in the ketchup as well. Sure. Even yeah. if I have hamburger that has a whole bunch of ketchup on it already, I will dip the edge of the you hamburger gotta, into the control. ketchup uh -huh. and then dip the fries into the ketchup and eat about. <laughs> A fourth of a cup now, to a cup of ketchup per meal. Here's my question for that Lebanese place is why don't they have bottles? Now, they don't just give you a couple of ketchup packets. I love this. They bring you a <laughs> glass bowl full of ketchup it's packets. It's a very fancy bowl it's of so ketchup fancy packets. fancy for ketchup packets. <laughs> I did appreciate, and I counted the ketchup packets I got because I oh, knew that. Oh, sauce count. Yes. Yes, please. Because we'll I know the, that flies around here. Yeah, we're so going, hang on. Does. We're going to play the theme. <laughs> Somebody sauce me. <laughs> I got nine ketchup packets, which was plenty for my meal. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that I didn't have to ask for any more. Downside to that and a positive side to that. I appreciate the little glass bowl. Man, I wish I would have counted my ketchups now. <laughs> <laughs> I have some stuff to say about these fries. Did you have fries, Dan? Andy. I had some fries. I had them as a side to my entree the first time I went. So I'll let you get in whatever you're going to say about them. Okay. Before I go. Let's play a game. We are going to say the first word that we would use to describe the fries at the same time. So these fries were thick. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> they were both thick and brown i did not know where you were going with that <laughs> i just wanted to see it wasn't planned <laughs> they were thick they were heavy they were deep dark golden brown they were soft with crispy edges and the occasional crispy single side now i do love crispiness they do call me king crispy yes but it may surprise some of my acolytes to learn that <laughs> To learn that I have acolytes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would definitely <laughs> surprise me. Uh, to learn that I also like soft foods. I'm sorry to let all my crispy acolytes down. Wow. I love these fries. Like 20% of the surface area was crispy and the rest was softer. And now you want to talk soft man? You want to talk soft man? I do want to talk soft man. <laughs> the inside. It was like steaming hot mashed potatoes in there. 
And I mean good mashed potatoes. The outside is seasoned pretty heavily. It's particularly mm-hmm. peppery, the seasoning mixture. But when the outer textures and the seasonings mix with that inside that's almost creamy, oh, it's so good. I want a dish that's just meat and sauce on top of these fries. They reminded me a lot of the fries at Chicago Cheesesteak Company, mm-hmm. only they were thicker and probably better. There, you can order the sandwiches on a bed of fries rather than on a bun. Oh. And I wish that I, that had been an option at that Lebanese place. Like I would have gotten uh, some of their gyro, gyro meat. Um, in no, shawarma meat. <laughs> Oops. Depends on the ethnicity of the place you go to. If it's a Greek place, it's called gyro meat. If it's a Middle Eastern place, it's frequently called shawarma or kebab. The translation into the American lexicon is not super precise. Okay. I'm actually That's super really glad we know. got into this yeah. because I was curious. This place is like has similar items to Greek belly. Similar items, but very different preparation. Yes. Generally. Their pita at Greek belly was quite a bit thicker and yeah. folded more mm-hmm. as like a taco because they couldn't achieve that full burrito pita wrap. Big difference. <laughs> um, that Lebanese place, not nearly as much cheese either yes yeah absolutely there's a lot of feta involved at the greek belly but this isn't about greek belly this is about the lebanese place anyway i'm just saying i could use some meat on those fries (laughs) (laughs) andy yes holland i was able to make it to that lebanese place a few times this week so i had a few different foods what are you mentally ill (laughs) going to the same place more than once (laughs) i meant to go more than i i intended to go more than once but time just got the better of me here's what makes you ill you don't intend to go more than once and you always still somehow end up going like four to five times to these places yeah i didn't i i meant to today i just decided i i couldn't i couldn't do it two days in a row yeah because they they talked to me so much i was the only person in there when i went Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll get into exactly what happened when we talk about dessert, but that was a big part of the reason I didn't go today because I would have just felt so weird going in, being the only yeah. person there two days in a row. That's all, that's mostly what keeps me from going away, that and then like an inflated ego that <laughs> makes me think that even though I didn't talk to them at all, that they would definitely recognize me <laughs> by coming in twice. <laughs> they recognize me, but I've been coming in for years. Yeah, oh my and you work next door. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully someday I'll get to that status there. So I ordered the first time the lamb burger because i really very much wanted to try their take on a burger their lebanese burgers are listed as lebanese burgers beef or chicken and then right below that there is the lamb burger they were out of lamb oh no no i was very desperate to try this lamb i don't know that i've ever actually had lamb the lamb was on the lamb (laughs) aside from gyro meat but alas they did not have the lamb. I was curious as to if it was going to be ground, but as I said, guys, they didn't have it, so I don't know why you're making me still talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just went with the beef Lebanese burger. This is described as a Lebanese-style burger with fried egg, mm. garlic sauce, tomatoes, pickles, onions, and topped with cabbage and slaw. So I did get a taste of those pickles, and they are a unique pickle. They're kind of like a cornichon size pickle, and then sliced vertically, I guess. Hot dog style. Lengthwise. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) An actual intelligent person (laughs) can tell me how to (laughs) say words. Uh, We we need somebody smart around here more often, Andy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you walked in here, the average IQ went up by about 30 points, Holland. (laughs) I was in the gifted program. I also had, or rather, my girlfriend, the beloved dime piece, beloved by me, beloved by everyone else. She had those Lebanese nachos, and she got them with the shawarma meat. She went chicken. These are pita chips topped with hummus, fresh veggies, and lebna. Lebna. Yeah, I I think the Lebna might be that white sauce that you were talking about. We kind of thought it was sour cream on there, but upon further discussion, I think it might be that Lebna. These were very good. The shawarma meat was very tasty. I think the biggest problem I had with them, if I had a problem at all, was the construction, but that's just common nacho problem. A little heavy on the hummus, a little light on the shawarma meat, but other than that, those pita chips were very thin and fried very very crispy 
not quite as thick as a Stacy's pita chip, mm-hmm. but uh, very lovely. I really liked the Lebanese nachos, and I would definitely get them again, probably with the beef shawarma meat or lamb, if ever it's there. So, question. Yes. If it's a nacho problem, why were you frustrated? <laughs> <laughs> not enough cheese on there. I don't approve. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, whenever I went today, separate from my other trip, whenever I ordered the baba ganoush and got the hummus, I got the tabbouleh fry mm. pita wrap. Mm. And I, ju- I just want to jump in on this pita conversation, y'all. Hop on in. I love the, the thin pita. <laughs> I love the chew to it. I love the sponginess. I think I like it more than that Greek belly pita. What? I think so. You rated it a five. Now, <laughs> off mic, you wanted to put it in the Pantheon. <laughs> I, I loved that pita wrap. And I'm not saying that this pita wrap overall is Pantheon level. Uh-huh. But the actual pita that it was served in was delicious. Now, this is a vegan dish um, along with the hummus mm-hmm. was also vegan. Nice. This is just tabbouleh. So glad that we're having some healthy-ish vegan food after the heavy meal of smoked meat we had last week. Oh, my goodness. Parade-worthy <laughs> analysis we gave <laughs> and all. It's still nice to have a little break. <laughs> the tabbouleh and fry wrap <laughs> contained tabbouleh, which is a fresh blend of parsley, tomatoes, onions, bulgur wheat, mixed with a blend of spices, lemon juice, and olive oil. Mm. And I'm a fan of tabbouleh. French fries. I don't even know if that's how it's pronounced. I have heard the word tabbouleh before, so I'm assuming that's what it is. This was so good. I've never had anything like it before. I mainly got it to be kind of a comparison point to the Greek belly wrap uh-huh. from a couple weeks ago because it's got those fries in there. And if you're going to mm-hmm. put fries in a wrap, I'm going to order that wrap. It's a tale as old as time, a song as old as rhyme, <laughs> fries inside the wrap. <laughs> <laughs> and this was delicious. It was also like one of the cheapest things on the menu, only $4. Yeah. I would totally get this again. I actually let it sit for a while, so the fries in there got a little mushy mm-hmm. instead of crispy, and it was still great. I, I bet loved it. that mm-hmm. that's the way they taste because it's not particularly crispy fries anyway. Anybody else get dessert? They did push baklava on me yes. <laughs> today. <laughs> yes. I entered the restaurant that afternoon with every intention of ordering dessert. I scope out menus in advance. Days You're a scoper. Advance. I had my eye on the bread pudding. Surprise, surprise. As you do. But from the moment I picked up the menu, Elizabeth began seeding the notion that I should try the homemade baklava. How do I know it was homemade? Because they mentioned it several times. <laughs> uh, she checked in with me several times during the meal even to make sure that i was saving room later her son came up to check on me as well and he said i should try the homemade baklava (laughs) and i relented Uh, at that point it honestly felt like it would have been rude to order the bread pudding (laughs) as i had intended it was either baklava or no dessert at all so of course i went with the baklava i'm not gonna a monster yeah going to have dessert Uh, they had walnut or pistachio from which to choose, and I chose. Any guesses? Pistachio. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I did indeed choose pistachio. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I'm very glad that I did. First thing I noticed about this baklava was how totally different in appearance it was from the baklava Dan and I had pushed on us a few weeks ago at Greek Belly. Again, I have no intention of pitting these two places against each other. That's not what it's about. It was just recent, and therefore, uh, it's a point of comparison. Sure. This one was a full square with a thin layer of pastry on the bottom, followed by a thicker layer of crushed pistachios, then several layers of ultra-thin pastry dough, then topped with more crushed pistachios and what looked like just a little honey or some other kind of clear syrup. I tried to use my fork to cut off my first bite, but that operation was a failure. Yes. I sent a piece of pastry flying because it was so firm. <laughs> I gave up all outward notions of civility and used the Lord's pastry fork. <laughs> I just picked it up with my fingers and took bites. This baklava was extraordinary. Uh, equally mm. as extraordinary as the other baklava we tried on the show, but extraordinary in a totally different way. This yeah. was not just a sugar bomb like the other one. No, there was more happening. 
the way the flavor sort of exploded as I chewed, it starts out kind of bland, honestly, just a pleasant crunch. But then this honey sweetness creeps in, and then that rich pistachio flavor follows. And it's almost overwhelming. There's so much flavor by you know the time you're ready to swallow, and it's so delicious. And the flavors, they don't go away. There's one, then another at the same time, and then another. It's like a symphony, just like different instruments slowly joining the melody. Mm-hmm. This baklava ruled. Nice. <laughs> I'm bowing. <laughs> <laughs> so should we rate that Lebanese place? Wait. Which Lebanese place? (sighs) (laughs) We've been over this. (laughs) Previous to being that Lebanese place, this building was Crossroads Bar. That was sometime in the 90s and 80s. Whiskey River in the mid-90s. Katie's Kitchen in the early 2000s. Someplace called Stuffed. Mm. I don't know anything about that. And Johnny Garcia's, a Mexican restaurant that I'd never heard of, despite the fact that it was there. Only it was like bare before Lebanese place was. To be fair, that Lebanese place opened up kind of when Commercial Street was becoming a thing. Uh-huh. Outside of maybe the Glow Center and Askinosi, Ruthie's, Lindbergh's, uh-huh. Big Mamas, there was not a lot of stuff going on on Commercial Street until like the last decade. Yeah, so a lot of people have not been there until recently. It's oh. truly been a pretty amazing revitalization project, not just in terms of restoring buildings and bringing businesses to the area, but changing the way that people think of it. Because I remember growing up and my parents telling me, you don't ever want to go there. And now they are comfortable going there, which it's difficult to change people's minds in Springfield, Missouri. I'm not sure who organized that effort, but they did an excellent job. It's truly it's really one of like the prettiest stretches of oh, like yeah. street we have to offer. Like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. I think a big part of the change was changing people's perspectives because it probably wasn't nearly as bad as people were saying. Sure. Yeah. They just started calling it historic. Uh (laughs) That helps. So how many places? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. You're getting so good at creative. (laughs) I have a special mind. Look, I wasn't in wings, guys. Okay? <laughs> How many places would you rate that Lebanese place? I think I'm going to have to give that Lebanese place four places. Um, not fourth place, <laughs> because among Lebanese places here in town, I'd say it's mm, number one. Number first place. <laughs> gold medal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, four. I I really loved it. Um, I'm really excited to get that tabbouleh fry wrap again and officially become vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Just eat that. Quit doing the podcast and just eat the tabbouleh fry. More absurd than (laughs) Percival Bernito, a person who is 100% real, is actually looking into the recording booth right now. Yes, just a big puppy dog (laughs) eyes, really wanting to get in here, but. Only three mics, Percy. (laughs) Holland, how would you rate that Lebanese place? I've had positive experiences every time I've been there. Even if, as a culinary person, there are some things that I would change about the food, and it's not 100% to my taste all the time. Is there any place in town you wouldn't say that about, as a culinary person? No. Yeah, okay. Uh, Just being rhetorical, you know. (laughs) I'd give that Lebanese place a solid four former food truck brick and mortarified places. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> nice All right. improvement. Wings. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with 3.5, but that's only my experience this time with the Pepper Joe. Again, operator error. I am fully confident that this could be a four or higher if I had ordered better. I feel like I maybe didn't give them the full spring food mode treatment by only going once instead of Three times. Reminds me of that time that my uh, Harry Nielsen record skipped. Operator error. Oh, wow. That's, Did you see that back <laughs> that was there? Incredible. I was just listening to that. That album <laughs> really? was the second one in the stack back there. No, I, I did yeah. not. That's crazy. I was just listening to Harry Nielsen the other night. Everything is food, food, food. Everything is go, cat, go. Everything is food for Everything. Okay, so Holland, 
you weren't just here randomly. You had some things you wanted to talk about. There's some cool stuff happening on that recently revitalized commercial street. For sure. And it's great to be here with uh, members of the media. (laughs) (laughs) The only media with any integrity, by the way. (laughs) Look at you, four hats. (laughs) Yeah, we know your ploy, (laughs) you two rows. Yeah, so in addition to my day job at Van Gogh's, my side gig right now is helping out with the farmer's market right across the street. Super convenient for me. Yeah. Literally walk across the street and I can go to my job or go to hang out with the vendors at the market. And I'm just doing generic stuff, helping out with some graphic design for a couple of the vendors who aren't as tech savvy. Sure. We also just got awarded a grant for advertising money from the Missouri Grown Program by the Missouri Department of Agriculture. MODAG. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. MODAG. That that's what I always want on uh, in living color, Modag. <laughs> I, David Allen Greer. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> Come on, guys! What a pull! <laughs> I need Modag. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new show. <laughs> I need Modag. Modag. <laughs> Jen starting a new podcast, <laughs> going through the filmography of David Allen Greer. And explaining how there could be more of him. <laughs> Sponsored by the Missouri Department of Agriculture. <laughs> so this episode comes out on April 2nd. I believe this coming weekend is going to be the first weekend of the year for the Farmer's Market, right? The Farmer's Market is open every Thursday and Saturday. Thursdays are 4 to 8 in the evening, and Saturday is 9 o'clock to 2 p.m. So when you go to the market, you'll, you'll see a variety of vendors. There are some people selling baked goods, some people selling fresh produce. There is a coffee vendor who actually supplies all of the coffee for Van Gogh's Eatery oh, nice. and Cafe Cusco. And her name is Julia Snyder. And she's a really cool person, roasts great coffee. I get to talk to people about how we have local coffee all the time. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Me being able to rep other yeah. local people. And it's like great for business because that is awesome. It's super trendy right now. <laughs> And there's also one vendor who sells actual wooden swords. So for the next time you have a wooden sword fight, you can go up to Commercial Street and get fully armed. Listen, if I knew that there were wooden swords being sold at the farmer's market, I would already be vegan. (laughs) 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 So that's awesome. So everybody can go check that out this weekend and most of the coming weekends throughout the summer. I'll definitely be up there some. For sure. Now, you're also doing another thing that's really cool, which is being on Show Me Chefs. You're on television. Oh, yeah. Someday. The <laughs> boob tube, as it were. <laughs> Show Me Chefs is a project put on by the Media Journalism and Film Department of Missouri State. Every season, there's a new crop of students who conceptualize, write, and produce an entire cooking show. Built in the style of Chopped. Really? So, so you have cool. eight contestants. That's crazy. And they go head-to-head with three different baskets. So it's actually better than Chopped because if you like a person, you get to see them compete in multiple rounds if, if they're successful. Yeah. And yeah. it's pretty great. This is the fourth season, right? Yeah, this is the fourth season. That's so, awesome. Dan, you don't know this. Holland, don't. you don't know this. Well, Holland knows that we set up his appearance on the show a little over a month ago. Since then, I've had several people reach out to me about Show Me Chefs saying, you guys should do something related to Show Me Chefs. <laughs> Watch us. <laughs> so, hey, Show Me Chefs, we'll be involved in whatever capacity you like. Yeah, people, are, people are telling us we should be. But yeah, so that's awesome. Um, that's very exciting. I can't wait to watch it. You know when it airs, when they start airing? It'll air in October on KOZL. Oh, so a ways out. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So maybe we should get uh, every contestant to come be a guest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Holland, could you, uh, no, maybe you should put come in back. a word for us with those other contestants? <laughs> <laughs> you should come back then and talk about that whole experience when we're closer to the day. That'd be really cool. I'm going to keep well my vegetables card off and sell my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable. Oh.
you brought some stuff for us to eat. I mean, Ooh. you're a chef. We couldn't have a chef on the show without requiring that chef to make food for us. <laughs> it's our MO, pretty much. Actually, <laughs> we did not ask you to bring anything. You brought it because you're nice. Yeah, we just really <laughs> hope that you will. <laughs> so tell us what we have here, Holland. You literally I, need to tell us I because one of these might be a squirrel's brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the first time we've had food on a it's, show and I don't know what it is. It's vegan sight. squirrel's brain, though. <laughs> so in addition to running the bar at Van Gogh's, my side gig in my day job, I have a lot of projects. I make the vegan cheese and also the vegan lemon tart. Over the past like nine months, I've become something of a local expert in that like, there's nobody else in town who does it <laughs> uh, professionally. The process of agar jellification. It's You're going to have like, to tell us what that is. <laughs> it's like low-key molecular gastronomy. Oh, man. Nothing like you'd see, uh, like, Ferran Adria or whomever else doing in fancy oh, restaurants. Yeah. That person. <laughs> yeah, that person. <laughs> I know uh, the guy from Top Chef who used to use that term a lot, uh, molecular gastronomy. But oh, okay. beyond that, I, I, I think this is my first time hearing it. Agar is a powder derived from seaweed, and it's frequently used as a vegan gelatin. Oh, instead of like ground up bones or whatever yeah. is actual yeah. gelatin. Okay. Yeah, it's like ground up horse bones. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I believe it's actually made from horses most of the time, but huh. or it was at one point. Huh. Okay, just like glue. That's Probably good. made from chickens now, because <laughs> we we raise a lot of chickens. Ooh, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> but you can actually get gelatin by just boiling bones if you have extra pork bones uh, lying okay. around. Yeah, agar is frequently used for emulating cheese, since you can use it to make a liquid mixture and then add the agar and heat it so that the agar binds with the water wow. molecules. And you create a gel, which is fundamentally what cheese is. Chemically, it's a gel with different levels of carbohydrate, protein, and fat, and some other nutrients suspended in it. That's so weird. I've never thought of cheese that way, but that's totally what it is. Yeah. (laughs) In my workplace, I mostly use uh, cashews and coconut milk. And then I add different flavorings depending on the recipe. The thing that looks like squirrel brains is actually <laughs> a Mediterranean brine and olive cheese made Ooh. with Kalamata olives, pickled cauliflower, uh, seasoned rice vinegar, a little anise and garlic for seasoning. All right. All right. Should we try it? And yeah. I, it looks like a squirrel brain because I made it into my novelty ice cube mold. <laughs> it's that's pretty awesome. Very yeah. That was not Andy just critiquing <laughs> the look of it. Yeah, I it literally looks like a brain. <laughs> didn't tell a guest. That looks like squirrel brain, that thing you brought for us. And we didn't ask. Yeah. Let's test it. Testing squirrel brains. <laughs> the first cut you made was straight through the brain, just separating <laughs> the, the right and left. So uh, I'd say I'm more left-brained. <laughs> Has a very Mediterranean flavor. Yeah, so I'm definitely getting a lot of get that olive. Mm. Ideally, this is meant to be eaten with crackers or bread. At Van Gogh's, we serve it as a cheese board with veggies, a beet hummus, some fruit on the plate, and then a side of either bread or crackers. And we get all of our bread from Artisan's Oven just down the street. Mm-hmm. And with the vegan cheese board, we have specific vegan bread that we serve with that. That's very good. I'm not a big mm-hmm. olive fan, but I, I really like like the the way it's able to uh-huh. replicate like a cheesy texture. It's very very good. You definitely tell it'd be uh, pretty tasty on a cracker if mm-hmm. I had any crackers. <laughs> yeah, that's right, listeners. Andy doesn't keep crackers in his house for shame. It's a low carb <sighs> zone. <laughs> you do ha- <laughs> where where it uh. <laughs> Normally would say, like, bless this mess or something. You have hung low-carb zone. (laughs) (laughs) It also says bless this mess. (laughs) (laughs) So what makes it actually taste like cheese instead of just being a cashew coconut milk gel is a mixture of acids and funky flavors. If you look broadly at all fermented products, you'll see that they all have a little bit of funky umaminess. On the extreme end, you might have miso and acidity like cottage cheese or vinegar. Sure. What I did here is I added seasoned rice wine vinegar and nutritional yeast. Hmm. 
And when blended together with all the other stuff, you don't really taste the nutritional yeast. It just brings that yeah. uh, kind of Parmesan-like sure. uh, free amino taste to it a little bit. Huh. And at different levels with uh, different types of additives, you can create different effects. So I might use miso paste for some recipes. I might use uh, nutritional yeast for others. I might use citrus juice or vinegar. It all depends on what effect I'm trying to achieve. All right. Depending on what I put into the recipe, I can get a wide array of results. That's crazy. So on the vegan cheese board, we have three different flavors, and they all have extremely different characters uh-huh. based on what I felt like I wanted to include when I designed the recipe. Yeah. Awesome. So, so it's, a, it's a fun science experiment where I get to engineer a lot. What's the second one that looks... I'm going to say more appetizing because not like brains. <laughs> yeah, this one looks <laughs> is like a true beautiful product. Yeah, totally. There's some blueberry. I detect so, blueberry. <laughs> I did by, by sure. my eyes. <laughs> this is a sample of the vegan lemon tart, the main vegan dessert on our menu. When you get it in the restaurant, you'll get a date and cashew crust that's pressed into the, the outside of a springform pan. And that crust is what you see dusting the top of these little samples that I prepared. Hmm. The filling is composed of lemon marmalade and coconut milk. I cook those together with the agar to gel it up. I fill the crusts with that mixture and let it set up and it creates that creamy effect. The pectin in the marmalade helps hold the water in as well as the agar. So the combination with the fat from the coconut milk makes for a very... A creamy mouthfeel, almost like lemon curd, mm-hmm. but without using any eggs or butter. Oh, I like that one a lot. That, that is was a pretty good dessert. Awesome. The there's some sweetness and some tartness, and the mm-hmm. flavors are all balanced really well. You know what it reminds me of? Delicious. Like literally taking a bite out of it is like drink drinking a swig of lemonade. A little like bit. It has yeah. a very sure. lemonade flavor, and it also kind of liquefies in your mouth. Like mm-hmm. that texture is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like I just drank a glass of lemonade with a piece of blueberry in Could it. Could definitely nice. see ending a big pancake meal with that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I've always, I've always been a fan of like lemonade with fruit in it. Yeah. Go to the mall, get a real fruit lemonade at that one place. Like, I just yeah. eyes closed. That tastes just mm-hmm. straight up like a nice pink lemonade, but like nice. a fancy one obviously i make the lemon marmalade myself in-house every part of this is handcrafted and i'm the only person who does it so (laughs) (laughs) radical so stop by van Gogh's if you guys want to try it so we're about ready to wrap up the show but i think wait is that is that a couple guests (laughs) just showing up right now (laughs) welcome neo as you no doubt have guessed, I am Snorpheus. Whoa. Please come sit. I imagine right now. <sighs> oh, sorry. Uh, you okay? Sleepy. Imagine right now you must be feeling a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I, uh. I don't know, Trinity just picked me up. I, I followed the white rabbit, like you said. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake. Hey, hey, dude. Hey. Oh, so, oh, he's expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Can you tell me, Dan? Why are you here? Um, I mean, like I said, I I got a message that said follow the white rabbit. Like I talked about mescaline. Hey, hey, wake up. Hey, I drove all the way across town Whoa. here with the lady in wet leather. <sighs> wet leather? <laughs> yeah, it's raining all the time. I think we both know there's more to it than that. Do you believe in fate, Dan? Uh, I mean, why not? (laughs) Perhaps because you don't like the idea that you're not in control of your life. Yeah, sure, Snorpheus. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) 
Dude, wake up. <laughs> Let me tell you why you are here. You are here because you have the gift. What gift, Snorpheus? <laughs> I've watched you, Dan. You do not use a podcast like a tool. You use it like it was part of yourself. What you can do inside a podcast is not normal. I know. I've seen it. What you do is <laughs> magic. <laughs> Snorpheus, please wake back up so we can finish this bit. <laughs> Let me skip to later what I came here to say. This is your last chance. After this, there is no going back. You take the blue pie and the story ends. You wake in your bed and... <laughs> yes, bed, Snorpheus. <laughs> I, I wish I was in my bed yes, right now. Uh, yeah, I can tell. You wake in your bed and you believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pie and you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all that I am offering you is two different kinds of pie <laughs> nothing more <laughs> are you going to eat one of the pies so wait you can't eat both <laughs> you can't eat both <laughs> no that old man tell me not to eat both pies doesn't know dan how <laughs> yeah so the matrix came out 20 years ago <laughs> On March 31st. Wow. wow. So we did this very successful yeah. bit. I'm just glad we're honoring it. And <laughs> so happy we had a guest here to witness it. <laughs> Thank you, Holland, for being here. Uh, please go check out the Farmer's Market this weekend and several of the coming weekends. Thank you for listening to our show. Thank you, Dan and Andy. Dan Drew. Dan Drew. <laughs> Thank you. The food mails. Springfield's uncles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We are sorry. Maybe don't <laughs> tell your friends what's at the end of this episode, <laughs> but tell them to listen to the show anyway. I'm just glad somebody else had a half-baked bit for once. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing. We dude. had a guest. <laughs> yes, yes. Come just by. like Axel Rose a few weeks ago. Yeah, Dan. A very good guest. Snorpheus. <laughs> it's, I know. The guest name was Snorpheus. I was here. <laughs> okay. Have a good week, everyone. We will... Talk to you very soon. <laughs> Please keep subscribing. Hey, thanks for listening to Spring Food Mo. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support our podcast, guess what? You can. Visit support.springfoodpod.com. That's support.springfoodpod.com. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Spring Food Media. This is really not any more starting, any less start and stop than our. More. What am I saying? It's not any more or less start and stop than we normally do. Honestly, There's the big difference of... is you haven't yelled any curse words. Yeah. Well, it's when, not me. It hasn't like happened <laughs> once. <laughs> I'm being. I'm on my best behavior. <laughs> yeah. You know, I told you my friend screened that movie they made ten years ago, mm -hmm. and Space Buddies. Yeah, and uh, there's outtakes. Mm -hmm. And in the outtakes, I would I would get so mad, <laughs> like I would accidentally look at the camera. I'd be like, "Look at the, <laughs> you know, like how I do." And I noticed like everyone else is relaxed. They mess up and they like laugh. I'm like, "What?" And like, and somebody told me it's like, "Oh yeah, you're a perfectionist." <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it all makes sense now. <laughs> I don't need everything to be perfect. I just hate myself if it's not. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Yeah, I actually went to Wings, but Paul just said I couldn't uh, keep up on the... That's uh, so good, Danny. <laughs> Thank you. I did go to Wings second grade. I went story. to Wings and then was a Midler. And I didn't, but now I have Wings kids in my class who annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> my parents asked if I wanted to continue going to Wings, and I said no, because no recess. <laughs> I'm actually joking, by the way. I really like my Wings kids. They're <laughs> awesome. Funny story. When I was in elementary school and attending Wings, my family took a spring break trip, probably, up to Chicago, <laughs> and on the way back, 
my dad decided that he had two tickets to go see a football game. Fun for the whole family, apparently. Uh-huh. Uh, so I ended up missing a day of wings just to sit in a football game. I am not and have never been a football fan. Now I have very well articulated reasons for not being a football fan. <laughs> Back then, I just wanted to go home and go to the one school where I was actually learning things I was interested in. So I threw a fit about not being able to go back to school awesome. on Monday because it was wings. I bet you play mist you. on the computer at wings. So you miss out on that sweet, sweet mist. That Lebanese place. <laughs> Edit point and throw all that at the end. Our whole wing section. How long did we go on about wings? <laughs> I also had the fries. Bend the on the run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, I had I had, uh, I had the the fries with jet. <laughs> you got any others? <laughs> you uh, let, let you roll it. That's my favorite. It's my, nah, it's probably my one. favorite Paul McCartney song. Really, I love it. Bad choice. Thanks. <laughs> Remember that time when we saw Paul McCartney? I do, and you introduced <laughs> me to all those great wing songs on the way yeah, up there. Wings I, don't think I was very familiar with them. <laughs> okay, now I'm the one on the tangent. It's because I can't find what. Remember that old else I sitcom? Have. Yes. Wings. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Took me a second. <laughs> all right. 